Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining. This is Sabra Robinson. We are broadcasting live with our 12th episode, and happy Saturday. So uh, this broadcast is a production of Black Women, Widows, Empowered, and we are live speaking with the contributors of our first collaboration ever of our literary publication entitled Widowed But Not Wounded, the Hustle and Flow of 13 Resilient Black Women Widows. So I truly appreciate everyone's time, uh, especially since it's the holiday weekend. Uh, So before I do forget, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to the contributing authors. Happy Thanksgiving to those called in and happy uh, early Thanksgiving to those streaming. So before we get started, um, they will share. I just want to let you all know they they will share and, you know, what we're going to be doing. They're going to share a story, their story, their chapter, and uh, kind of give you some nuggets to take away with. And if you have any questions, um, if you'd like to, uh, you know, further dig into what their uh, chapter is about, feel free to uh, just uh, let me know and I'll open the line for questions. So I do ask listeners that you do put your phone on mute until I do open the line up uh, for questions for the authors. So without further ado, I'm going to begin with our first author. And again, welcome authors. Thank you so much. Um, our first author is Carrie Phillip. Uh, she is the founder of Young Widowed and Dating website. Carrie, are you on the call? I am, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be part of the project. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for uh, being available, especially. I know it's a very busy weekend, and uh, I look, I've uh, been looking forward to speaking with everyone. So I did want to just chat with you a little bit, and again, thank you for your time. Um, so can you tell us, talk to us a little bit about, you know, Young, Widowed, and Dating, and can you tell us a little bit about your chapter as well? Sure. And it's all kind of intertwined. Um, my chapter kind of touches on being a, a widow suddenly at the age of 32 and just kind of having to reinvent yourself post-loss. Um, I know mm-hmm. I thought like my entire 
uh, adult life would involve my husband. And, you know, when he died suddenly, it was just, you know, kind of what do I do with myself now? And I yeah. eventually realized that, you know, I didn't want to be a bonus spouse, that I just kind of sat there and waited for death to take me too. And mm. as part of that, wanting to live again, I decided that, you know, at some point I'm only 32 and I was, you know, you know, realistically going to have, you know, possibly another half of my life left. And I didn't want to live it alone. And I decided, you know, that I kind of wanted to test the waters and, and see what it was like dating again. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of how Young Widowed and Dating came to be, because I found that I was the only young widow that I knew. And, you know, going to my friends with questions about dating, they only had it from their perspective or dating as a single person, which I think is different than dating when you've had a loss. Okay. So. Yeah. I started, I started Young Widows and Dating, and it's a community for young widows and widowers who are kind of having these challenges of putting yourself back out there and dating, and now you have minor children, and, you know, the whole dating world has changed since we first met our spouses. Yeah, absolutely. And so has online, uh, online groups for, for widows, I know when I was uh, when I first became a widow, it was not a lot of online date online widowed sites actually, and now it's it's a whole lot. And I think yours is um, just kind of uh, very unique in its own self. So, um, you know, I applaud you for uh, starting uh, such a needed uh, group for young widows who are looking, you know, to date again and uh, just need some support in that area. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And it, it's also a, a part of my own healing. So it's very, it's been very helpful for me as well. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so my chapter, um, you know, yes, I do touch on the fact that, you know, I started Young Widowed and Dating, but I think the bigger message that I want to be a takeaway from my particular section is that even though we're broken and that we are still hurting, it's you're still able to be of help to someone else. So um, I love the quote that broken crayons still color. So even in my brokenness, I was able to be of assistance to other young widows. And that has been such a key part of my own healing. And you don't have to go start, you know, a support group. It could be something as simple as just sitting with someone who has lost their spouse after you've lost your spouse because you've kind of gained a little insight and a little, a little knowledge. So you're able to be there for the, the younger group coming up. And uh, I think that's the key point that I want my chapter to, to have with the readers is that even in your brokenness, you are still able to give back and, and help the widowed community because oftentimes we feel so isolated and it's good that there's someone who's gone ahead of you and you're able to reach back and, and help make a, a difference in that person's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate your time. Um, and, you know, I look forward to uh, many new, uh, uh, many new and exciting things from young widow dating and, um, I want you to have a happy Thanksgiving and um, you take care and thanks again and being a part of this uh, much needed uh, book collaboration. So I do thank you. So uh, thank you, so you, you be well. You Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.
All right, everyone, that was Carrie Phillips from Young Widowed in Dating, and we have a few more to, uh, just, you know, to talk to. So up next, we have Maureen, uh, Maureen Bobo, and she is one of the uh, co-directors for uh, Hopeful Widows. And uh, I, really, I, I, I really appreciate her uh, taking the time as well on this, you know, Thanksgiving, free Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And the name of her chapter, and, and I neglected to say the name of, of Carrie's chapter, um, but broken, broken Crayon Still Color, that is Carrie's chapter. So for Maureen, her chapter name, which is really, really great, My Dance with Grief, which is a little bit different. Uh, she speaks about dancing with grief. So, Maureen, are you on the call? Yes, I am. Sabra, how are you? I am good. Thank you. How have you been? It's great speaking with you again. I think the last time um, I had a podcast with you was uh, earlier this year um, right. before I interviewed you and, and Chastity and Khadijah for um, your uh, collaboration, your book collaboration called The Unwelcome Committee. So, I uh, Again, appreciate you all taking your time for me to uh, talk more about that. But now I have you individually because you have written, you have uh, agreed to collaborate with this project. And um, your chapter name is My Dance with Grief. And it was very interesting. I'm not going to speak further on it. That's why I wanted you all here. So if you wanted to kind of introduce yourself and, and just, talk a little bit about your chapter and, and what uh, the listeners can take away. That would be great. Awesome. I first wanted to say uh, happy pre-Thanksgiving to everyone listening and on the call and you, Sabra, um, and anyone who listens on the playback. Also, uh, I just wanted to thank you, and I don't know if I did or not. Um, thank you for the opportunity to present um, this awesome work, uh, Widow But Not Wounded, to the world, because I think it will be very impactful, and I think it will assist a lot of, not just widows, but grieving people, um, yeah. and help them to get to another place, and just in following our story. But briefly, I'll talk about um, my chapters, how my hustle and flow, because the assignment that we were given, which was very challenging, and I needed that challenge, and thank you for that, was to incorporate <laughs> hustle and flow into our chapter. And so mm. I I kind of cursed you while I was trying to think of stuff. But I was like, hey, bro, I can't think of anything. And so I just sat down and had to get quiet with myself. And then it just, God just brought it over time. It took me a long time and I just had to pray on it and he just brought it to me. And so it mm -hmm. became my hustle and flow. How my hustle Basically, it's about, I take it from standing in front of my husband, Martin's coffin, who had passed away at age 45, um, of chronic mm. heart disease after a 10-year battle. And we had, uh, at the time, the children, eight years old and two months old, both girls, standing in front of the coffin at the funeral. And so the, the, the chapter starts from there. And as i talking myself through it, um, I'm looking at myself standing there. It's like I'm watching a movie. I'm directing a movie, and I'm the star of it. And so then I look up as I uh, am at the front of the coffin and wondering how the kids are. And someone was holding the baby and my eight-year-old was interacting with her second grade class who came. And I saw Grief standing 
in the corner at the back of the church. And I, uh. in me, it became a dance, basically. So I talk about how I walked and I didn't want to go, but I couldn't resist. So he held out his hand and we danced through grief. And so that's how it came to be. So tangoed. He was rough with me. Mm. We walked. We may have walked. We discoed. We praise danced. We did a lot through the struggle. And it just talks about, and the ladies will understand this, it talks about the flow and the up and the down. And um, you don't think you're going to make it. The waves are going to take you over. But then, as in my uh, estimation, as time went on, I became stronger. And um, at the end of the day, I realized that God was in control. That doesn't mean that I still didn't have ups and downs, but I was going to be okay. So I want uh-huh. or I want people to take from my chapter that yes, this is the worst time of your life. Yes, it's very painful. Yes, you feel like you're not going to make it. For me, my anchor is was and still is Christ. And so I had an anchor. And I, at some point in my dance with grief, I realized that I was going to be okay. In fact, towards the end, I became even stronger. And instead of him throwing me around, I held him on a keychain in my pocket. And so that mm. I was in control. So that's what it became. But it didn't happen overnight. I'm seven, almost in April, it'll be eight years since my husband passed away. But mm. this is where I am right now. So right now I'm focused on purpose. This is just my journey. Right. You know, this yeah, is just my journey. So that's, that. that's it. Yeah. Focus on purpose. I like that. I like that. And um, it's, you know, when I read your chapter, it was, uh, it, it kind of made me chuckle because you were real with it. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I really loved it. Um, it was, you know, everyone's was different. And that's what I liked it because it was, uh, everyone wrote in their own style, you know, um, each chapter was unique and each chapter had a message. So um, thank you so much for providing, um, you know, a summary of your chapter and, and what the listeners can take away. So as always, um, you have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next author, um, Letitia Bowie. Letitia, are you on the call? I am on the call, um, and wow, I just want to thank say thank you, you for um, allowing me to be a part of this project with all of these wonderful, wonderful women. I am absolutely humbled, so um, I appreciate being being a part of of this book and being a contributor to this book. Absolutely, and I and one of the things I want to say was, you know, I, I can't, you know, I'm very much appreciative for all of you for volunteering to. Um, be a part of this project. Um, you know, I know we started in February and now we're down to the wire. So, um, it's, it's, it's been great. It's been, you know, um, it's been different. It's, uh, it's been, uh, you know, we all have our challenges and, and writing the chapter and, uh, which just makes us stronger at least that makes us more, um, wiser, I would have to say, but, uh, thank you again as well. And uh, listeners, this is Letitia Bowie, and uh, she is the uh, nonprofit founder of Dialogos uh, Survivors Support and Post Pension. Um, 
And the name of her chapter is Caterpillar, Cocoon, and Butterfly. So, Letitia, if you could just kind of um, give us, you know, talk to us about your nonprofit. Um, doesn't have to be lengthy, just uh, kind of put a little nugget in there about it. And then you can just go straight into your chapter and, and then uh, give the listeners um, a little bit of, you know, some nuggets as to what they can take away. Okay. Um, I am the founder of Dialogos Pope Extension. And um, just a little FYI, my husband passed away due to suicide. And so Dialogos is a support group for um, widows who have, and widowers who have lost us to suicide. And um, losing a spouse in that manner comes with a whole new set of secondary issues and secondary loss issues along with and on top of your normal, and normal is relative, your normal um, flowing through the grief process. And so I found when my husband passed away that there were a plethora of resources for prevention, and there should be, but there were very mm. minimal, minimal resources for postvention because mm. suicide is going to happen, whether we like it or not, and we don't want to admit that, but it will happen. I didn't think it would happen to me, and it did. So what do we do to support the families after it happened? And so I created Dialogos um, to provide the resources and services that I couldn't find for me and my children um, as we processed through through our um, our tragedy. So. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank uh-huh. you. It's very much needed. So um, I do mm-hmm. appreciate that. You know, um, your Facebook page is is filled with uh, very good, you know, great insights and um, informational uh, resources for uh, you know. Uh, widows who fall into that category whose husbands have uh, uh, passed away due to suicide. So it's a it's a great and wonderful and much needed uh, nonprofit. So thank you for that. And um, if you want to go ahead into your chapter, that would be great. Yes. So um, this is this also integrates into my chapter because for the reason my husband passed away in the manner that he did. Sometimes as a widow, I don't feel I have the right to grieve as other widows because yeah. suicide comes with a lot of, um, um, it, suicide comes with a lot of, with, with usually a negative backstory. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. my chapter, my chapter is entitled Cocoon, um, Cocoon, and I'm sorry, <laughs> Caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly. That's okay. Caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly. Because my marriage was not the greatest marriage. My marriage borderlined on abusive, and um, it 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 trickled over into abusive. And so I did I did not have um, the greatest marriage like you know some of the other widows. And so when he passed away, I found that. I didn't have an identity, not because he passed away and all of a sudden I have to reinvent myself. I found that I didn't have an identity because I never, I never was able to form an identity um, into the marriage um, during the course of the marriage because of the the abuse in the marriage. I was always trying to please him, trying to please 
the people around us, um, trying to be someone I wasn't, and it was never good enough. And so when he passed away, I started finding me. And I started finding out that it was okay to be me. And I started mm. finding out some things about myself that I had to be truthful about. I was a yes person. I was in the, I was, I was mm. always in agreement with everyone. I was, I was, I had a root of rejection. I want, I sought approval from everyone. And so I was always this person that wanted to be a people pleaser because I didn't want people to leave me. I didn't want people to reject me. And I found that when I stopped being that person that they were used to me being people, people, you know, they rejected me anyway and they abandoned me anyway. And so what I found mm. was it was okay to be me. It was okay to be myself. Who I was was just fine. Good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. And the people that would accept me for who I really was would stick around and help me and be patient with me and allow me to process through um, this tragic situation. And, you know, my chapter is all about just coming into who I was and, and getting rid of the negative narrative that I was this bad person and I was this awful person and I was not good enough. And this narrative, and I talk about this in my chapter, this narrative flows all the way back to my childhood. It started with my mother mm. and then it flowed through some other situations that I talk about. And then my marriage, it happened in the church we grew up in, you know, you are not good enough. And I yeah. accepted that narrative until he passed away. And then I started reinventing myself and finding out who I really was and being okay with that person. All right. All right. And you mentioned the church and that's the whole uh, another story in itself um, when it comes <laughs> it to grief. So that that's a whole new podcast. But yeah, you're and you and you kind of touched on that in your chapter as well. So um, it's really exciting. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything that you would like for any of the readers to uh, kind of take away with? What I want the listeners to take away with, whether no matter how your husband or spouse passed away, when you experience grief, you do change. And that's okay. It is okay to change, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. And people have the mm. right to accept the, the changed you or reject the changed you. But grief, no matter how it happens, it does change you. You'll never be the person that you were before. And, and it's absolutely okay. And you accept the people that's okay with it. And you just kind of flow with the people that are not okay with it. So it's okay to be you. Absolutely. Thank you. And I see that we do have a few callers uh, on the line. Uh, listeners, those who are checking us out, thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm just opening up right now for any questions that you may have. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if you do have a question, I have unmuted your line. Um, if you have a question for any of the, uh, the contributing authors who have spoken so far, feel free to ask away. And then at the end of the show, I'll also um, ask the same question. <laughs> so does anyone have any, anything they'd like to uh, ask? Hey, Sabra, this is Melody Aria. Um, I have a question for Letitia. After your husband's suicide, did you get, family support, uh, specifically from his family, 
that question comes up an awful lot. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes to suicide, the person is either seen as the victim or the vi- villain, depending on what mm-hmm. side of the coin mm-hmm. that you're on. And so, um, some family definitely supported me. Some family blamed, um, def- they blame me. Um, and that's how society looks at it. You know, um, the spouse drove them to it. It's your fault. You could, you know, even as a woman of God, you know, you don't have a prayer life. You couldn't pray him out of that. You couldn't, you couldn't stop that from happening. And so you have this victim or villain, um, situation, and it just depends on what side of the coin that, um, people are on, um, as to how they approach you. So I had support from some, I, I had no support from others. Um, there's a lot of people that pulled away from my children, which was the biggest disappointment. Um, wow. And so very limited support, I, I would say. So very limited. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I ask that is sometimes we as widows don't get the family support we expect to begin with, but particularly with a suicide, I would imagine, as you said, that victim or villain scenario would play out. And um, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Um, thank you. I'm sorry for your situation also. We're all sorry. <laughs> We're sorry we have to be here. That's basically it. Um, and uh, I wish I didn't have to do this podcast, but um, I am uh, because I'm in the same situation. So I just truly appreciate uh, the ability to be able to uh, give someone a voice and give you all a voice and to tell your story. Do we have any other questions? All right, we'll go ahead and move on. Our next contributing author is Kimberly Wiggins. Uh, her title, the title of her chapter is called Tonight's Top Story. And Kimberly Wiggins is a morning anchor at WBOC-TV on the Eastern Shore of Maryland and uh, she's also launched a uh, faith-based retail company with another uh, widowed sister. Uh, she they, she calls Whister, uh, called Still His, and it's for those who would like to share their love for the Lord and or for a spouse. And it's a great Christian retail product company online, StillHis.com. So, Kimberly, are you on the call? I am. I am. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. Um, welcome. Again, happy early Thanksgiving. And <laughs> Thank let's go right into, yeah, let's go right into um, your chapter, today's top story. And if you would like to, uh, you know, talk about uh, still his, uh, feel free to do so. Thank you. And again, I really can't thank you guys enough just for including me. This just listening to everyone's stories so far really have already encouraged me. And I just feel so honored to be a part of this project. So this really, awesome. really is an Aww. exciting thing. Thank you. I think, um, Thank you. Of course. For me, when Rashid was killed, um, April 16, 2016, I was already in a transition, a transition period. I had decided to get out of TV news. I had been out for about a year and a half. I was just mentally exhausted and oh. for some reason, Rashid would always say, you know, I think you need to take this time and you need to 
relax and enjoy it because you're probably not going to have this time again, whether it's because of kids or work or whatever. And he actually would really push me um, to try and just relax and, and thank God, literally thank God he did because of everything that happened and where I am now. But, you know, at the, you know, it was a normal day, a normal Saturday, and we were home just uh, hanging out on the couch. And he was always tinkering on something, always had a million ideas he was working on in his free time and decided around 11 o'clock at night to go get some snacks. And he wanted to walk because we lived in Florida and it was a nice, and he walked across the street from our complex. I remember him closing the door and saying he was fine to walk, even though I begged him to take the car. And I never saw that smile again. He um, was hitting a hit and run and um, involving three cars Mm. and we're still looking for the first two. So, I mean, that honestly, Ah. you know, it, it brought things out of me that I never imagined were in me. I mean, obviously I knew as a hard worker and could, could do things that we'd gone through things in our past, but since then it's just really put me on a path I never expected. I mean, you know, I can mm-hmm. talk to anybody who's walking this walk every day is a struggle sometimes just to get up and breathe yeah. and, you know, eat and, you know, halfway make it to work and look like a decent person it takes everything in you. But I, you know, decided to kind of push through things and figure out a way to, to get through and still find meaning in my life and his. And I'm, you know, working on legislation, his name, working on a hit and run alert system in Florida. I am trying to make sure that last big project he was working on does launch uh, as well as still his, which is all about, you know, encouraging and and providing support for other Wisters. And, you know, we have the retail arm of it, but we also uh, started these these brunches or dinners that we do and gather Worcester in yeah. the areas. Yeah. They've that been really, so really awesome. Too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it, it's literally, it's just all about just trying to get through each day. And sometimes I sit there and I think, I don't know how I, I did any of this because literally every day I want to give up, but then literally mm-hmm. every day I, see Rashid, I see my husband and I hear his voice and I hear him saying, just, just one more thing, or just, you know, just get up one more day, just, just make that one call. And that's what he was always about. And he, he was always doing a million things and he'd always be just, just try, you know, and if it doesn't work, it's okay. And so that's, that's all about what I'm trying to do now. And I think that's kind of what I try to touch on in my chapter. Just try. Just try. And you're a busy woman too. You have uh, a lot going <laughs> on. All- and <laughs> and you have to be up in the morning uh, to anchor. Wow, you have a lot, and, and I commend you. Yeah. I applaud you. Well, thank you. And I, I will say that's also a very unique aspect of it. When you know, when my husband was killed, I was out of the business, but I also had to work with my friends, and and so that meant you know, my life then became a story. And so the people who I worked with in the newsroom were calling me to try to set up a press conference. And, you know, we're then in my house, not for us to just hang out, but to interview me and, you know, to do follow-ups. And then the law enforcement officers who I used to call for other stories were now the ones I was calling for updates on my husband's case. And so it's oh just, you know, it's just a just different thing. And even now it still affects me where I can't read a hit and run story. And the first one mm. that popped up in the newscast, it literally brought me to tears and I had a meltdown 
in, in the newscast and I had to stop and we had to like just get through it. And then I was um, a wreck. And so now I can't read them. My co-anger has to read them. And even sometimes when I have to read the word widow, it just conjures up all these images. And so it, it affects you, you know, death affects the yeah. living a lot of ways we don't realize it or people think about it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And is there anything that you would like for any of the, you know, the listeners to take away with from your, from your chapter? Yes. I think my biggest thing is to try to live in the love on my darkest days. I try to remind myself how much that man loved me. And mm-hmm. I just try to remember that the love still lives and that I am here to still try to give that love in various ways that I can, whether it's providing support to another Worcester or helping out a family member or doing whatever, but to remember that love is still here and I'm still here for a reason. And I guess got to try to figure it out. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I have opened up the line uh, for those listeners. Uh, if you have any questions for Kimberly or any questions for any of the contributing authors who have already spoken, uh, now is your time. I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, you do have the opportunity. Okay. And we'll move on. Thank you, Kimberly. I really appreciate it, and God bless you. We'll go ahead and move on to, yeah, uh, Melody. Uh, Melody, are you on the call? Melody Brown. Thank you for leading at work. So, you know, I'm so honored to be part of this project and to be part of this podcast with my fellow co-authors and fellow widows. I'm Melody Brown, also known as Aria Moreno on Facebook, It's because I hate social media with a passion. That's why I'm incognito. If I didn't have to have this Facebook page to be part of this network, I would not have a Facebook page. Anyway, um, I understand. Yeah, my chapter is entitled The Hustle and Flow of Melody, Journaling My Despair, and I focus on mental health and self-therapy. And um, my grief counselor recommended that I keep a journal. And too often, we as Black women think of ourselves, you know, as a strong Black woman who don't need therapy or counseling. And uh, we believe we can pray away our mental health issues. And believe me, I know prayer works, but God put counselors and therapists here for a reason. And I certainly took advantage of that for myself and my two sons after my husband died. And writing down my feelings in a journal was really, really therapeutic. So I'm going to give you some background and a little excerpt from my journal. But on January 27, 2014, my husband, Anthony, died unexpectedly of a heart attack, a massive heart attack. I moved forward without him, teaching at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, raising my two teenage sons, Richard and Robert, and taking care of my ailing mother. One of the ways I've coped with the loss of my husband is to keep a journal and express my feelings, frustrations, and joys in writing. And uh, here are some experts from my journal since Anthony passed away. And this personal journal helped Sane over the past few years. And I hope you can relate to my journey as a widow while finding some hope and solace in my writing. Um, My hustle and flow is based on resilience and a self-awareness of my feelings of grief, grief and how to cope. Uh, so this first excerpt is the day that my husband died, and I wrote, 
So when I woke up this morning at 5.45 a.m., I didn't think or even imagine that I would go to bed a widow. My beloved husband, Anthony, died at 7.01 a.m. He was going about his routine, preparing for work. He had a massive heart attack and collapsed on the stairs. The medics worked on him for 20 minutes but couldn't save him. And I have this morning etched in my memory, including the way Anthony looked at me as he gasped for air and tried desperately to remain in this world. My life changed in an instant. My heart ached. And then Sunday, March 23rd of that year, I wrote a quote from uh, William Wordsworth that I really, really like and refer to quite a bit. Though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass or glory in the flower, we will grieve not remains behind. Um, I miss Anthony every day. I'm trying to find strength in what remains, my children. And although Richard and Robert are just becoming men, I still cling to them for my strength and happiness. I know I'll have to let go and get a life of my own without Anthony, and that's the hard part. And then on June 30th, um, I think one of the, the paragraphs there really expressed how I've been coping with depression. I wrote, yesterday, I found myself in a deep depression. Today, I'm brushing myself off and reflecting on all of my blessings. I know I can't always shake off my depression, and I've talked to my grief counselor about this many times. However, I found the best way to dig myself out of depression is to stop and thank God for all he has done for me. And I would say... For me, my takeaway is that, number one, it is important to get counseling. Um, as I said, I know we as Black women can be stubborn sometime in, in doing yeah. that. My sons now are being pretty stubborn about continuing their feet, but I think it's important. I also find that keeping a journal and just being in touch with your feelings, writing down you know, your sadness, your anger, all the things that you go through is important just to get those emotions out, reflect on them, and focus on your future and set goals. So that was part of the journaling as well. I started to write down goals that I wanted to achieve and, um, you know, things from trying to get healthy because I knew I was my children's only remaining parent. You know, I, I lost weight. I've been trying to keep yeah. up with an exercise and diet regimen. Um, I have my mother who has dementia, which, again, from a stress standpoint, can, you know, it can be overwhelming at times. But I made a vow, you know, to continue to take care of her to the best of my ability, but to just do whatever I could to set goals for myself, both personally, professionally, um, so that I could keep it moving. Because that's the thing. We've got to find the strength to keep going. It's not just for ourselves, for our children, for our other family members. You know, we, we have to keep going. So, you know, the way you can cope, again, sometimes just step back, assess how far you've come, the blessings you have, and, and um, just get those feelings out. And sometimes putting them on paper really helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Melody. Um, you know, you did uh, stress an important takeaway, and that is to uh, get counseling. And uh, yeah. a lot of African-American women, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't. We don't do that. And um, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. You know, it's it's very much needed, in my opinion, um, and other, uh, you know, practitioners, their opinions as well. So thank you for touching on that. 
Do we have thank any you. questions? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to open up the line. Uh, we do have a few listeners. And again, thank you listeners for joining. And I have opened up, unmuted your line. Uh, do you have any questions or uh, anything you'd like to ask for any of the uh, contributing authors? Now is the time to ask. All right. Well, thank you again, Melody. And we'll go ahead and uh, move to the next contributor. And that is Danielle James. Danielle, are you on the call? I am. Thank you all. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so oh, excited. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being here and, and giving your time um, for this holiday weekend. So I'm excited uh, for everyone uh, for what they will be doing for the widows that are listening to this and how they're going, how you're going to affect um, all of the readers once the book is published December 1st. So thank you again, Danielle and uh, listeners. This is Danielle Jane and uh, Danielle, the title of <laughs> your chapter is the life of the paparazzi party. <laughs> Give us a little bit of information about your background and uh, Feel free to go ahead and just delve into your chapter. Okay. Um, I was 32 when my husband died. He died in a car accident. The kids and I were in the vehicle on the highway at the time of the accident. So it was very sudden. Uh, wasn't expected. I was with Mark um, at the age of 18 to 32. So he was the only man that I knew. He was my life. And we had mm. two children at the time. Our daughter was two and our son was eight. So my whole world had changed in an instant. I had told yeah. my mom, hey, we made it to Jacksonville. And that was you know, an exit away from his sister's house. And 15 minutes later, he was, wow. he, we were in, involved in a car accident. So, you know, my daughter was smiling and happy one, one minute and she fell asleep and she woke up and she didn't have a dad. So oh. it was, uh, it was very hard. And, you know, uh, the pain that I, I felt as a wife that lost a partner in crime, it was, it was heavy. I honestly thought, you know, that our time would be forever, but so I had a different plan and, I wasn't ready for that plan, but I knew that I couldn't just be stuck in my grief because I had two people looking up to me, you know, they felt my yeah. energy. So I had to just continue with on with my hustle and flow. And I worked as a case manager for Mobile Mental Health for nine years. So I, I knew the mental health aspect, aspect of it. But when I went back to work, I stayed off work for a month after uh, he passed. And I had to drive my consumers around. So I developed PTSD and depression. And one incident, I was taking a consumer back uh, to his doctor's appointment. And I just knew we were about to get hit. And I freaked out. And it caused my consumer to want to get out the car and fight. And I'm like, okay, I can't do this. So I had mm. to quit my job you know, as a case manager, because I couldn't deal. I, I couldn't drive anymore. I, I would get nervous every time a car is next to me. So I did resign and I, I was off for a year. And uh, my 
the title, The Life of the Paparazzi Party, came two years after my husband passed because I'm now an independent jewelry consultant with Paparazzi Jewelry and Accessories. We sell $5 jewelry. And so right now, I have built a team. It was when I started the chapter of team of 45 women, we're up to 66. But in my book, it talks about the accident. It talks about my relationships. And I started dating 22 months after my husband passed. And I, as a, a widow, you, I was like, I'm never getting married again. I, I don't want anyone else but my husband. All I wanted was him. But you, those mm-hmm. feelings start to come back slowly. So I tried the dating thing, but I'm like, what is dating? I don't know what dating is. I don't know how to yeah. you know, talk to multiple men. You know, if I talk to one person and they show me attention, I fall too fast, you know? So mm, I put yeah, all of yeah. you know, my energy and passion in, in, in a man and in that relationship. And I got my heart broken and it was lost after loss. And so I let my business, I started paparazzi and I was like, okay, you know, it was just something to do. But then I'm like, okay, I, I put all my passion and energy in a man and in this relationship when I, I see my paparazzi striving and they're ranking up. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I know my work. I need to stop it. And I need to enjoy this journey in this paparazzi life. And I've ranked up to premier director and I'm, I'm starting now and I'm like, okay, they asked us, what is your why? And now I know what my why. why. I know yeah. how I can become in this company to where I want to start a nonprofit for widows and widowers with young children. I want to have paparazzi that, that, residual income. I want to build a foundation and I want people to be able to get counseling because counseling is needed. Um, You know, I want them to be able to pay for their medications and pay for utilities and assistance because we've gone down from two incomes to one and it's hard. It's it's very hard. So, you know, the life of the paparazzi party that, that, you know, that's, that's, that's my, my story. It just talks about how I'm making money in this $5 business and I'm loving it. You know, I finally yeah. decided to make it about me again. And I have my own brand. I'm sheet diva, that jewelry lady. And it's something I can call my own and, <laughs> and I'm enjoying the journey now. And I, you know, it's hard. It, it, I still have my days because I want my husband there for my recognition yes, when I'm absolutely. at the jury convention. But, you know, God will send me that man that will understand this emotional roller coaster that I'm on. I can be happy one minute and curse you out the next. But that's just grief. That's just the way it is. And, you know, I have to find someone that's going to accept me and all of my flaws. And, you know, oh, wow. if, if one thing I want you to take away from my chapter is, you know, we we have that faith. We have to have that that faith um, that faith does not make things easy, but it makes it possible. Mm. So. I like that. I like that. Girl, I thought you already <laughs> gave us the takeaway. I thought the takeaway was, what oh, is your why? Oh, I like that. No, yeah, that is true. You know, that's a couple of takeaways. <laughs> You had several. So I do. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. You basically talked about your whole chapter and that is awesome. All right. <laughs> um, no, no, that's no, no, they, ha- you know, you, you know, of course you have uh, other, you know, uh, information in your chapter that you, you know, yes. you have not founded on, on this podcast, but 
thank you mm-hmm. for, you know, being transparent. And you touched on, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of things, a lot of things that, you know, what we go through, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we go down from two incomes to one in most cases. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had to ask yourself, what is your why? And mm-hmm. you touched on dating issues, you know, you thought you had to put your whole energy in dating. But no, you, you figured mm-hmm. it out. That wasn't working. So you put your whole energy in your business. And that is awesome. That's an awesome takeaway. What is your why? And have faith. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Thank Danielle. You. Thank you so much. I do appreciate your time. And we're going to, you know, we still have, <laughs> we still have a few more authors to uh, chat with. So next up, we have Rhonda Butler, Beverly Dieter. Hello. Hello. Hi. Who's on the call? Hello. Hi. This is Sabra. This is. Hi. This is Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks for joining. Thank, Thank you, you for so much me. for joining. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we kind of lost connection there, but hey, we will press on. So, thank you again, and I'm eager to talk with you. So, now your chapter, "Rebuilding Me After His Hustle Ended." Wow. Your chapter, mm-hmm. uh, your chapter title really just kind of tells your whole story. So I yeah. truly appreciate, yeah. you know, you being transparent as well. Um, it was a wonderful read and um, you were real. You know, Thank everyone you. was real. Thank you. But I love the flow of how you wrote your chapter. So if you could just kind of expound on um, your chapter and, and kind of give a takeaway for the listeners, that would be great. Sure, I can do that. Um, my chapter basically details the journey from being getting married to my husband and living our lives and having our sons and everything to the moment that he got sick. Um, he was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure at the age of 43, and it was brought on by lupus. So... I was already, you know, I'm a good wife. I consider myself a good wife and a good mother, and I took care of my family like I was supposed to, like I wanted to. But then when this came up, it became, it, I can't even think of the word, just I had to do it because I wanted to keep my family together. And Family was all to me. Family is still all to me. So I yeah. was there at every doctor's appointment, every hospital day, um, Every blood draw, every almost every dialysis treatment that I could go to when I didn't have to work, um, I was there for him every time he needed me. And I still had to be there for my kids. I have two boys. Um, they were, let's see, five years ago, 15 and 8 when all this started. So I had to take care of them, pay all the bills, and I still worked. So I kept mm. it going. I kept... I took care of everything and, you know, I didn't even realize how tired I was getting, how frustrated and upset and angry I was getting. And then he got sick, really sick for the last time. He died of sepsis. And after that moment, it was like, what do I do? What do I do with myself? I have no idea what to do. I still have my boys to take care of. I still have my bills to pay, but he had just been this huge part of my life even before he got sick, you know, it was all about him and I. We were two peas in a pod. We were each other's best friends, everything. So once all of the 
all of the activity around his funeral and taking care of the paperwork and getting rid of his medical supplies, all that stuff sat down. I had no idea what to do with myself. So I kind of just let myself think. I, mm. I literally felt myself sinking into my bed. I could feel that because I just had, feel like I had no purpose. And my kids are now 18, were 18 and uh, 10 by then. So they didn't need me so much. They were off doing their own thing. So it was just me. Um, mm. So after a few months, more than a few months of that, I went back to school because I decided, okay, maybe if I go back to school, I can bring myself up. So I went back to school. I made the president's list. I, I worked hard. I worked, that's, that's what I do. I work hard. Um, but it just didn't fulfill it for me. It just wasn't, it just wasn't working for me. Um, yeah. so I, I went to the doctor. She said, you know, you have clinical depression and we need to take care of that. And I'm pre-diabetic. I just let myself go. I just let myself go. So mm -hmm. once the doctor started telling me all of these things, mm -hmm. I said, okay, I need to do something for myself because I can't exist like this and my boy still needs me. So I started mm -hmm. writing for myself. Mm -hmm. And and then I met you. <laughs> that's where the story changes. <laughs> and that's where, and, and I met you. <laughs> well, you know, you have your own blog and, and that, that encourages a lot of widows. Uh, widowness and light. And so, yeah. you know, I can see how you um, just pour your heart into your writing. And a lot of us, that's what a lot of us have come to do, you know, just write down, even yeah. in a journal or we write a blog and you've, uh, you've yeah. come a long way. Yeah, I, I feel like I have. I feel like I have. And doing the blog actually helps me get those feelings out, just like you said, because I am still, I live in Florida and none of my family lives here. So it's literally just me and my boys. I don't have a lot of friends because I work all the time. So when I write my blog, I feel like I'm talking to somebody about how I feel. And then when people say, yes, I agree. Yes, this is, I feel this too. It's like we're having the same conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so someday I do about... plan to write a book. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can see that. I can see that as well. Um, yeah. In your chapter, you know, um, I know you touched on, you know, the end of life. Can you expand on that a little bit? Um, I think, you know, I've been in that situation, too, where you have to make that decision of, oh, yeah, saying, yeah. you know, pulling, pulling the respirator, you know, and, and I thought that was that really touched me because I found myself in that in the same predicament as well. Yeah. That's the toughest thing. You think you've been through the toughest thing that you've ever been through. Try to do that. Um, he hadn't been responding to the medications. Like I said, he had sepsis, so they had him on all these medicines to keep his blood pressure steady. And uh, he had to do continuous dialysis because he had so much infection. Um, but it came a point where the nurse looked over at me and said, you know, none of this is really working. We have it all on max. And I just looked back mm. at her and said, so why do we keep doing this to him? We, we need to stop flogging him. 
because I felt that's what, but I felt like that is what we were doing. So they asked me if I wanted to sign a DNR, and I said, okay, yes, no. At that moment, your mind is just going everywhere. Do I really want to do this? Am I crazy? Am I killing my husband? What is happening here? So they asked me to sign the paperwork. I did. I signed what was called a partial DNR, which means if he started to go downhill after they turned everything off, that they would try and resuscitate him. Yeah. Um, once they turned everything off and things started to go down a little bit, I changed my mind. I decided I didn't even want them to put the paddles on and shock him and give him whatever medicines wake you up. I just said, okay, if he can't do this by himself, then he needs to just go ahead and go. Mm. And Is there he fought that battle. He, was... he fought yeah. that battle. He wow. wow. He fought the battle for half an hour and just, you know, he was gone. Is there anything that you would like for the listeners to take away with, either in regards to that situation or just? Um, you know, what you've gone through in general. In that situation, just, I I hate the cliche word, be strong, but just be Mm -hmm. strong. Um, Know the answer to that question before you go in that room, because I did know the answer to the question. We talked about it years and years Mm. ago. And it takes everything you got to do it. And you know it's the right thing to do. Go ahead and do it. And don't flog yourself no. about it later. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, because like I said, I'm sure they are, there are a lot of, of widows who have been placed in that situation. So thank you so much for that You're nugget welcome. of wisdom. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cheryl Barnes. Thanks, Avery. Yes. And we'll move on to the next contributing author. Rhonda Butler, are you on the call? Try this again. Rhonda? Okay. We will move on to Beverly. Beverly Dieter, are you on the call? Yes, I am. Hi, lady. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Sabra? I am doing well on a great and beautiful Saturday. (laughs) Thank you for joining. I do appreciate it. Um, Listeners, this is Beverly Kelly Dieter. Uh, She wrote a chapter entitled The Drink That Remains. When I read that line, I was like, oh, my God, that is a great chapter title. Um, You would have to read, listeners, you would have to read her chapter to figure out what that means. But um, Beverly, thank you so much for joining. I do appreciate it. And um, just want to, you know, discuss a little bit about, you know, give the listeners a little bit of, uh, you know, information about your chapter and what you would like for them to take away with. Well, uh, first, I would like to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to participate in this project and uh, for being the founder of the Black Widows Empowered Group. Um, I also would like to tell you a little bit about my chapter. My chapter is about my husband's death and um, significant other people in my life who have passed away and how I cope with it. Um, 
I hope to stress self-care and uh, seeking help uh, if you need it. Um, grief is a very serious subject, uh, but I try to add a little humor, and I talk briefly about sex. Um, I wrote this and thought that it was a golden opportunity to reach out to other widows. Um, I have to let you know I was very nervous about doing this and, and putting myself <laughs> out there, but I, I'm hoping that it will help other widows that find themselves in, in similar situations as uh, I did. And um, what I would like the readers to take away is um, there is life after loss, and it can be a fulfilling life, and it's not easy. You should not try to go around grief. It's something that you have to go through. And if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Uh, I've personally been seeing a, a therapist for years. And I, I continue to see one. Um, if someone asks you if there's something that they can do to help you, accept the help. Don't be too yeah. proud to ask for or to accept help. Help. So. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. So. Oh, Thank you're you. welcome. Mm-hmm. Um. Did you? So I, I was to... going to read a, a little bit about the um, yeah. situation, but I I don't want to. Uh, do you want me to read that, or will it give away the title? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Please Please okay. This is just a, a a small section of um the chapter that I wrote, and it starts out. Uh, okay, back to the day he died. I insisted that I would be okay, and that he need not bring my wallet but he wanted to. I said, bring it um, by lunchtime. There's a place I would like to take you. He came by, picked me up, and we enjoyed a nice lunch, although he barely ate any of his salad and did not finish his drink. This was a drink that would remain on my counter for weeks, if not months. I could not bear to throw it away. It was the remains of our last meal together, And crazy as it seemed, on some level, throwing that drink away will be like throwing a part of him away. So that refers to the title of my my chapter. Absolutely. Wow, the drink that remains. Um, It has to be hard, seeing that drink. Yeah, it it was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. And so... Your nugget to the listeners, don't be afraid or proud to accept help. And, and we right. do, you know, because we, we feel we don't want to bother anyone. You know, right. um, we feel that uh, we don't want to put our burdens on anyone. But mm-hmm. don't be too proud. I definitely get it. You know, I've been in that situation as well. Don't be too proud. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've got to reach out and ask. Yes. You've got to reach out and ask for help, whether it's counseling, whether it's, you know, just reaching out to a friend or a family. You never know. The only thing they could say is no and just ask someone else. So um, I do appreciate your time. Thank you for that summary of your chapter, the drink that remains. And I want you to have a safe and enjoyous Thanksgiving next week. Uh, same to you Thank and you, all the listeners out there. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll go Hi, ahead. We have our final uh, contributing author. Her name is Khadija Ali. Khadija, are you on the call? I'm here. Can you hear me, Sabra? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you for joining. Beautiful. Thank you so much for um, inviting all of us here to be on the line today to share uh, what I believe is a very, very important work. I think that what we have, what we have been able to do together, what you have spearheaded is uh, something that is very unique that will be released uh, very soon here. So thank you for having me and having all of us. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and listeners, Khadija, she is uh, one of the co-directors, again, for Hope for Widows Foundation. Um, and one of our other contributing authors, Maureen Bobo, uh, she's right alongside Khadija as well. So um, I'm just thankful and, and grateful and humbled that they've accepted to, they've accepted, um, you know, my request or you know, reached out and said, hey, I want to be a part of it as well about this project. So thank you to the both of you um, for your, uh, you know, your participation and your effect yes. um, on, on my life as well. So um, without yes. further ado, Khadija, I'll go ahead and just hand it over to you. And I know okay. you're a, a podcaster as well. So <laughs> um, right. I appreciate you. So, I'll absolutely. So, you know, of course, my chapter um, deals with mental health. And as I was sitting here listening to everyone else share and um, just being so moved by everyone's um, stories, I was reflecting on my chapter. And the one thing that I wanted to get people to I guess the one thing I want people to understand, uh, and it's something that if you're a black woman listening to this podcast that you may know already, is um, putting the mask down. And although my chapter mm. is on mental health and the, the, the journey that I took through mental health all the way up until this year, um, what is interwoven into my chapter is wearing this mask and how I put mm. the mask on, um, you know, when my husband, uh, I remember the doctor walking in, and I talk about it in the chapter, the doctor walking in and saying that there was nothing else that he could do. And my husband's concern was not like, am I going to live or I want to live, but like, what's going to happen to my wife and my children? And in that instant, I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now. I was putting on the mask then, because I didn't want him to see me uh, internally falling apart. But that was what was happening. Um, but I felt because super black woman has to put on her cape and put on her mask, let me put it on, regardless of whom or what. And, you know, he did die and there was a lot going on and I talk about it in the chapter. And I was, I, I had to just deal with it. You know, in my mind, I had to deal with it. If it was, be, if it was to be, it was going to be up to me. And um, it was detrimental in the long run, very detrimental yeah. in the long run. And a lot of times in the African-American community, the black community, we don't feel like uh, mental health is a part of, of 
of taking care of ourselves. And yep. my grandmother is twice widowed. And I remember her mm. saying to me, because I told her I was going to counseling, well, you don't need to go to counseling. All you need to do is pray. And I was mm. like, Grandma, I pray every day. You know, I, I need help. And so yeah. I guess my takeaway would be, don't be afraid to go get help and get counseling. Take off the mask, put it down, be transparent, um, and, and, and go and have someone hold space for you. Um, mm. hold, have someone hold space for you and talk through your issues with your counselor. Even if it's, listen, if you really feel like you don't want to go to a, a quote-unquote regular mental health counselor, Go with, you know, if your church has, has counseling, go sit down and have yes. that counseling with your pastor, you know? Yes. But you yes. you have to take that mask off and you have to be real and transparent. And I'm the most happy person in the world. I'm the most positive person you can have and ever imagine to be. But I have a history in my family and within my own personal history of depression and anxiety. And so it's time to take off the mask. And that's what I want to leave the listeners with. And thank you again, Sabah, for allowing me to be a part of this project. Anytime. Thank you. And I certainly appreciated, you know, your uh, summary of your chapter. And her chapter, listeners, A Black Woman's State of Mental Health. And it is filled with, oh, goodness, just everything that we as Black women go through as far as our mental health. And thank you for your transparency, you know. Um, just reading everyone's chapter just sent chills, you know, through my body because I could relate to every single one. Um, the mental health, absolutely. Counseling, absolutely. Or not going, you know, it took me five years to really go. And so I thank you for writing um, that chapter because it really, really is important to us as a black community, even if we're not widowed. I mean, it's, it's something that we really need to consider in the black community. So thank you, Khadijah. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for your nugget of, you know, put the mask down. Are there any questions from the listening audience? Um, we've listened to uh, 12, well, 10 of the authors. And I'm sure there's got to be one question out there um, for any of our uh, contributing authors. Sabra, this is Melody. Um, I don't have a question. I just want to comment on what Kadisha sure. was saying and just echo every single thing that she said about taking off the mask and stop trying to be black superwoman, you know, because sometimes it can be exhausting <laughs> emotionally and, yes. and physically as well, but more importantly, that message of self-care and, you know, a willingness to get help, counseling, therapy, um, and overcome your fears. I, I, I was going to ask Danielle, I don't know if she's still on the call, how she overcame that fear of getting behind the wheel and driving again, because I can imagine I would have the same phobia and PTSD that she did. Uh, <laughs> truthfully, because... Uh, yeah, we pray, but God sends us doctors, 
for medication. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I I started taking um, Effexor my my medication regular on a regular basis and it it calmed my anxiety down. So yes, Good. we have to pray. Yes, we have to go to counselors, but we also have to take the medication that's there for us for the you know specific reasons. And I need I know at the time and right now it's. I'm not going to say I'm going to take this medication forever, but I'm not going to be naive about the fact that I don't need it. And at the time I I do pray and I'm praising God in advance that I won't have to take it for the rest of my life. But right now I know I need it. And even when I'm driving, I'm fine now. It's just when I'm in a car with someone else. Because I was a passenger, and you know, so I still get that. And my sister, like, I'm not riding nowhere long time with her unless y'all give her something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, I I still have that, and it still it still hits me. You know, I have I had a really really good friend of mine who just uh, died in a car accident a week and a half ago, and it just brought in, in the medication don't mm-hmm. help right now because it's the same yeah. thing. Somebody hit her in her mom's driveway with her two kids in the car. So it it brought back a lot of painful memories right now. And yeah, I can laugh and smile, but it hurts so bad, you know? So, you know, still dealing with it. You you just have to have that faith that, okay, God, you brought me out this last uh, tragic moment. You can bring me out of this grief moment. You can, you know, just just have faith. I know it's not going to be easy, but I know it's possible. and, And, yeah, <laughs> I, I I know it's a work in progress because I still have a phobia. I think of just losing someone I love. You know, after my husband passed, I just kind of wrapped around my son even tighter, and because the fear of losing one of them became so intensified, you know, I tend to be overprotective as a parent anyway. Yeah, um, I find myself being really worried. You know, if I don't get a phone call, if they're on the road and I don't hear from them, you know, all these little things, like mm-hmm. you said, it build these anxieties and fears of losing another person that you love deeply. So, you know, my mother, you know, things like that, and um, like but you have to pray, but also whatever else it, it takes counseling, medication to calm your nerves and, and get you back on track. You know, you do what you have to do. Saber, this Absolutely. is what May I make a comment towards that? Sure. Sure. Because that, that was also part of my chapter because um, my husband was a minister and he mm. grew up in the church and um, I spent a, a significant amount of time in the church. And sometimes we can't necessarily you know, go openly and um, to the pastor and, and grieve how we need to grieve because the mm-hmm. church, and I think the quote for one of the, the promos was for me, um, was, you know, sometimes in the church we develop this super saint syndrome. And so people yeah. tell you, well, all you got to do is pray. You know, mm-hmm. weeping may endure for a night. Joy may come in the morning. You know, but that's true, but it's not morning yet. I'm weeping now. And so someone yes. told me, that, you know, prayer definitely goes into the spirit, medication goes into the soul. And just because you're a Christian and you are mourning and you are grieving and you are missing that um, loved one, that does not make you a weak Christian. That does not make you weak in your faith. Just because you're taking medication does not make you weak in your faith. It actually makes you wise because God put all of these people, these smart people here on earth, 
for us to be able to have access to to help us get to where we need to go. And so sometimes the church limits that and makes you feel guilty and makes you feel like, well, if I have to go to the psychiatrist or if I'm taking medication, I'm not as strong as I need to be. But like Khadija said, we got to take off the mask in the church also. Because that was one of my uh-huh. husband's issues. He didn't get the medication he needed. He didn't get the help that he needed because it, he was conditioned to think, if I go out and reach out and get this help, I'm a weak Christian and my faith in God is not strong. And that's absolutely not true. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So that lets us know two things. There is safety in getting counseling, but at the same time, if I'm going to go to my pastor or someone in the church, I have to feel safe also coming to you. So just want to leave that and put that out there. <laughs> oh, that was excellent. Thank you, Letitia. Thank you. That was yeah. well said. Hi, well said. Hi, Rhonda. All Hi, right. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, I would just say this, the devil is alive, God is true. Well, there you go, there you go, there you go, but we got it, we got it. So, uh, we got this, it. this is Rhonda, yeah, this is Rhonda Butler, and her chapter is entitled, A Pastor's Wife's Bitterness of Black Tea. Hmm. Now, your chapter was interesting as well, so I'm not going to say anything. I want to hand it over to you, and you could just uh, provide a little bit of information about, you know, your chapter and uh, what made you write it. And also offer a little bit of, you know, nugget of information for the listeners to, to take away with. Well, first of all, let me just say I am thankful to be a part of this collaboration among all these wonderful women of God. Uh, this is just has humbled me so in spirit. You just don't know, uh, even in the loss of my husband. And um, my chapter, it was a little difficult to begin to write, particularly when you put the words hustle, flow and pastor's wife in the same sentence. And uh, I had to really pray and meditate about that. <laughs> I, I can laugh about it now, but you just don't know how I stress about that, you know. <laughs> and I think other pastor's wife could would understand what I'm saying. Uh, but I was, went to the cabinet, kitchen one day, and I was cleaning out my cabinetry. And I came across all these teas that I had in my top shelf. And we always kept tea in the house because if nothing else, when we got colds or flus or whatever, or just needed that confidence, we had a tea for that. And but I never did like black tea. And so that's why I said the bitterness of black tea. And when I pulled that down and had that in my hand, and I began to sit down one day, and it all came together. God brought it all together. And I would just say that my chat on the bitterness of black tea, the pastor, Mm -hmm. the pastor's wife, going through grief, my prayer is that anyone who, I'm praying that many people will read the book. And because I'm hearing, you just don't know how the stories have just touched me today. I've been talking to these ladies on Facebook, whatnot, social media, but to hear their voices and to hear the depth of the grief, the love, and the joy that's still coming from their lives. I just know the book is going to be a blessing to so many people. And I yeah, want to thank so. you again for I, that. I do hope so. Absolutely. Yeah, anyway. And, and it, I just want to say, go ahead. I just want to say that I've had, was blessed to have 28 years with my husband, 37 years married, but 28 of those years, I was able to serve as a pastor's wife. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a journey that I am 
thankful that I took, was able to take, and this journey of widowhood, I'm going to be thankful for that. I wasn't at first. I questioned God greatly. Why me? Why I got to go through this? But he is sovereign. One thing my husband, one of the sermons I love that he preached was about the sovereignty of God. He's in control. Yes. And I Absolutely. do bow to his sovereignty. You know, but I do yeah. want to encourage readers that as you read the chapters, particularly my chapter, uh, I do hope that your faith will guide you to the resilience to be strong in the journey and that you will get yes. to a point of accepting what God allows. And as you accept what he, he allows, that he will place a peace within your being that you will never be able to experience like any other, any other thing in life. And that I would encourage people to give yourself time on this journey. Each of us in our own, it's all different for every one of us. So give yourself time. And I am encouraged now to go forward because God has been speaking to me about elevating the ministry of widowhood in our local churches. And I agree that we do not, we cover it, we leave it under the rug, you know? And we put yeah, the lady yeah. in a corner or the gentleman in a corner to go work with a men or women's ministry, but we have not allowed them to express their grief. There's no yes. place for them to come together and express the grief and to work through it. And you have to work and through I, it. Yes, you do. And, and thank you for that input, especially with you being, you know, a former pastor's um, a first lady or a pastor's wife. Um, and you recognize that and you're doing something about it. So my hat's off to you. Thank you so much for that. Again, I just Are thank you any... all for the opportunity. Yes. Thank you, Rhonda. And, you know, we have about yes. seven minutes left. Is there anyone on the call who, even from the contributing authors, do you have a question for any of your, you know, co-authors? <sighs> Gabriel? Yes. Hi, it's Maureen. I just wanted to just commend everyone because you've done a beautiful job. Everybody has encouraged me. Rhonda, I was cracking a pastor's wife and hustle and flow in the same sentence. <laughs> Write that quote down, please, and put your name on it. Because <laughs> that floored me. Anyway, I just want to say I'm honored and humbled and say, Brent, thank you. And uh, as they were talking, it was Khadijah and it was someone else and as uh, anxiety and things like that. I just want to ask and put it out to anybody, any of the, and you too, Sabra, fear. Because one of my things was um, the fear, and uh, I think it was Danielle. Uh, my husband died of a heart attack. It was, unex- it was unexpected. It wasn't a, an accident, but he had chronic heart disease. So um, mm. I call it the unexpected expected visitor. Meanwhile, I had fear, and I, I, frankly, I'll just say, it just really subsided in year six, and I'm going into real, year eight, so like last year. Mm. But people speak on their fear mm. um, of just my something happening to me, something happening to my kids, something happening to my other family yeah. members. That's it. That's that's what I'm putting out there. And Yeah, know, I, I, I experienced that. Go ahead, that. go ahead, Melody. Um, and and it was like you said that fear of loss. After you lose someone unexpectedly, you kind of hold your breath every time someone gets sick or you know, one of your children um, 
is out on the road and you haven't heard from them. I mean, all these things trigger that heart attack situation because my husband suffered from a massive heart attack as well and was totally unexpected. So that that sudden loss of life that happened so unexpectedly kind of triggers that phobia of losing someone you love unexpectedly. And that's why for yeah. me, I've had to watch how I am with my kids because I tend to be very overprotective. Um, even for myself with my own health, I start to go into kind of panic mode if I feel like something's wrong, you know, and you, you start to think, well, what, what could this be? Could this be more serious than it is? I don't want to, you know, be taken away from my children. You know, you're always in that fear mode. And what I've had to do is really spiritually just reconnect and trust God and say, Lord, you know, I'm putting all my faith and trust in you uh, to lead and guide me and take care of me physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and whatever happens will happen. I cannot fear death anymore. And I am a little bit stronger in terms of how I look at the afterlife, the kingdom of heaven, and the whole issue of death, because that's something I really didn't want to face and deal with, you know, but I realized, you know, death is a very, very much a part of life. And I cannot fear death for myself or for my family members, my loved ones, because it's going to happen to all of us. But yeah. um, but that's something I definitely have struggled with and continue to struggle with, that fear of losing someone you love, that fear of death, you know, because once it happens and it hits so close to home, you know, like you said, you kind of have a PTSD uh, that, that stays with you. And, and unless you deal with it head on, that anxiety, that fear is always going to be there. Absolutely. Can I and bring in really that, quickly? Go ahead, Kimberly. Hey, um, so for me, um, my husband and I didn't have children. We have our fur baby, our dog. And what happened was clearly I still overly worry, overly worry about everyone in my family. My little brother actually came to live with me and I treat him like a child, uh, which I try to fight on a daily basis. But <laughs> I, I feel for myself, I kind of went to the other side of the spectrum where I have to fight myself to care about myself, where I feel like I honestly, uh, you know, I'm like, if anything happens to me, I worry about my family because I don't want them to feel this pain, but I definitely don't fear death anymore. And so I kind of have to bring it back and be like, all right, Kim, don't do that because, you know, that's not the right thing to do. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just interesting because, you know, I, I think I'm a big sister and, you know, I'm the first grandchild. And so I kind of have this attitude where I always look out for other people and myself, but uh, I don't know. Now I, I don't necessarily do that for myself as much so it's just been interesting yeah and we all have an interesting journey when it comes to um fear and thank you all for that input we have roughly about two minutes left any additional comments before we end this wonderful podcast thank you ladies for joining i would just this is Rhonda. i would just say go forth ladies in the name of jesus amen Amen. Thank you, Rhonda. Amen to that. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Um, Thank you for giving an hour and a half of your time. Uh, It's been exquisite. And, you know, I've I've written down so many nuggets of wisdom that you've provided. Um, I really want you all to enjoy your holiday, the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Um, Eat as much as you want, okay? It's on me. So. you know, 
I want you to just enjoy it. Uh, not only the food, but enjoy the fellowship. If you're, you know, with family, if, if, if not consider, you know, doing something different for Thanksgiving, if, um, you know, you're, you're not going to celebrate, but, um, give me a call <laughs> because I, I, Hey, my phone doesn't ring as often. So, um, I would love to talk to you as well. So I'm going to, uh, go ahead and end here. Thanks again, everyone. And I just want to give, the listeners, thank you, uh, a little nuggets from me. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, everyone. Everyone, remember, grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Uh, grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love, and I do give God glory. Until next time, peace and understanding, yeah. everyone. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye. 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 Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh... Honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um... Well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, sunshine. (laughs) Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.